and of pod. Episode 424 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week in Dan's living room, I'm joined by Dan. Hello. Because, um, you know, we'd get put away somewhere if he wasn't here with us. Uh, Andres. Hello, welcome. And, drumroll please, it's been a while, said I got to see you. Hello, I hope you say it old, because it's been a long time since oh, we yeah, met yeah, each other, yeah. and not because I'm old. Of course not. No. But you'll be right in both, uh, <laughs> both <laughs> instances. I'm sure some of you are wondering uh, what went on, what the drama behind the scenes that led Seba to stay away from Hand the Pot for such a long time is. Uh, and basically it's that Gmail is shit. And <laughs> for a couple of years, <laughs> several years ago, I thought I was including Seba in the group emails. His name was showing up and it turned out that it was his old email address. At some point he sent me an email he corrects me, he says, hey Sam, can you send it to my Gmail address now? So I say, yes. I changed it in the contacts. For a few months you were getting the emails. And then I discovered about a month ago that I, at some point in about mid-December 2019, it had started sending them to your old email address again. I thought you were ignoring me. Without telling them. I was going to say, do you feel like you've done something to set hand upon as a... Yeah, you know where I live, you could have knocked. Yeah. But I, I found out because I got a... The, uh, an email bounced back from your old address and I was like yeah. that's the email address I deleted from my contacts like yeah. four years ago was it and so now I have definitely deleted it from the contacts and hopefully it will but you know if, if we go through a he thought well if you don't come you don't want to come you don't, you don't come yeah. <laughs> anyway welcome back Seba thank you uh, we've only got one weekend to catch up with this time I think which uh, yes because we recorded last week following last week's epic feels like um, a nice relaxing treat. Uh, I saw barely any of these matches, so the pressure is all on you three. Uh, the matches were Colón 2, Estudiantes 2. Uh, I think I saw the second half of that. Gimnasia 1, Union 0. San Lorenzo 1, Patronato 2. I don't mean to laugh. Why the laugh? Yeah. Um, Rosario Central 3, Independiente 0. Central Cordoba 1, Boca 2. Banfield 3, Tacheres 1, Barracas Central 1, Vélez 1, Racing 0, Newells 0, River 1, Atletico Tucumán 1, Godoy Cruz 1, Lanús 1, you're getting bored of these draws yet, Defensa y Justicia 1, Platense 1, Tigre 0, Arsenal de Sarandí 0, Aldo Sibi 0, Huracán 2, and Argentinos 0, Sarmiento 0. I think from the look of that, that it looks as if I picked the right weekend to not pay very much attention. Which to say that, despite you laughing at San Lorenzo's plight, they have got a better result in this weekend, which for some reason kicked off last night. They beat Newell's 2-1. Uh, because oh, yeah. there, there are some yeah. youth games in Rosario, I think, in their weekend, and that's why they made them play uh, yesterday. There we go. Yeah, and I'm happy to report I was uh, I was at one of the Newell's draws that we had Me too. during the weekend. <laughs> So not much luck there, but 
Uh, it was a good game, though. It was a good game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Racing and News. Mm-hmm. Um, it was entertaining. Racing should have uh, gone ahead in the first half, especially. News had a couple of great opportunities in the second. Um, but I think it was a good defensive defensive display by by the Rosarians. <laughs> and um, for Racing, it wasn't that bad, because after that, on the same day, River didn't, uh, didn't win. Mm-hmm. So it all stayed the same. At least for the top three in that zone. And Racing qualified for the next rounds. Are Racing Estudiantes yeah. uh, safely free? I'm not sure if Estudiantes already were. They might well have been. Uh, but they are now in any case. Yeah, I think they managed uh, last weekend. I think they must have. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we mentioned, didn't we? They needed like a point or something. And the fact that Colón didn't win their match meant that Estudiantes would have qualified mm-hmm. without yeah. playing. Because Colón drew the first match of the weekend. Against Estudiantes. Did they? Yeah. yeah. It was against Estudiantes. It was against Estudiantes. Yeah. Yes, you're quite right. So that result will have qualified them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And for Racing, it was uh, during the weekend, with that draw against Newell's, um, Racing uh, guaranteed um, progressing to the quarterfinals. And then with San Lorenzo beating Newell's away, Racing also guarantees... A home, a home game in the quarterfinals. Oh, because you've almost got first place in the group guaranteed. Yeah, well, with a win or a draw, it could in the last guarantee. Games, like that, yeah. Yeah. But now, even if Racing were to lose against Banfield and then San Lorenzo, and the others were to win every remaining game, they cannot um, surpass Racing or make Racing go lower than second. And so if you finish first or second, you play a home game in the quarterfinals, which is... Uh, which is a good advantage. Yeah, yes. more yeah, than perhaps. the games themselves, I think that the most important thing for Racing is to continue winning because they are with that wave of winning matches and they, they were getting used to that. And if they mm-hmm. drew against Newells and then they lost against uh, Melgar, uh, it's like, well, it's not for uh, put a red alarm or something like that, but a red light, but uh, uh, perhaps having won a lot of matches with uh, an idea that finally the players got and, and that was working well. Now, perhaps, if you have one or two matches that they, you can win, well, not two matches, two matches that we didn't win, but it, that, this is it. Yeah. Uh, and it's now, just a shame for Racing, really, that they had to come up against Ivan Arboleda, who, oh, in every single match against Racing, is just fantastic, and he's terrible everywhere else. Um, <laughs> I was talking to Jamie, friend of Handle Pod, after, after the game. Of course, he runs News in English, right? Yeah. And he was saying that he's not even their first choice. He's got in now because their first choice, whose name I can't possibly remember, has been <laughs> been injured. He's like so erratic, makes so many mistakes, but he just never messes up against Racing. And I saw uh, he's got a record of something like six games played against Racing between Banfield and News, and he's never letting a go. Yeah, it's just incredible. Well, against you'll see him next week, and he'll throw one into his own net. Against River, he gave it, gave the ball away. Yes, to, to I score. remember seeing that, and I was like, "Why can't you do that, <laughs> Cylindra? Why? Why do you hate us so much?" And yeah. I was actually um, just behind the goal on the opposite side of the stadium to where I usually go. Uh, so Racing was shooting towards me um, for the second half, and I was right down by the goal. And Narvaleda was time wasting. He was he did some very intelligent time wasting because he. Never did it so much that he kind of obliged the ref to get the yellow card out, but it was really annoying and kind of <laughs> evident every single time. And, uh, you know, people just hurling uh, insults at him, 
the, the whole time and once the final whistle goes he turns around to the to the stand and just gives the biggest shit eating grin you've ever seen just like yeah I did it and walks off I was like I've yeah. got to respect you for that I'm, yeah and that's and what you need a couple of points on, on what you just said um, first what Andres was saying about Racing's uh, run of results now it allows Gago to focus on the Copa Sudamericana, play the starters there, because mm. no matter what happens against Banfield and San Lorenzo, you yeah. can lose those games by seven goals. Yeah, you got to focus uh, on Let's hope that doesn't happen, right. but uh, you, you can you can focus on the Copa Sudamericana because you have to go to Brazil, play Cuyabá uh, next week, and with the defeat against Belgar, the group got a little bit complicated in terms of... Yeah. You Although need River, to play, River Plate did us a favour. Yes. Funny enough. For once, Uruguay, uh, Uruguay, yeah. <laughs> I beat in uh, Guayala, yeah. Uh, so it's very open now, um, and I think the late goal that Racing scored uh, through Correa, was Correa, it? yeah. That could be crucial because that was the difference between what being three goals behind Melgar and goal difference and being one behind. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about. Could be interesting. We'll talk about yeah. Continental yes. stuff in a bit more detail later, but yeah, you're Sorry, right. The... Jumping again. No, no, no. I'm just going to quickly. <laughs> Uh, confirm what you just said. So yeah, at the moment the goal difference they've both got six points, Melgar and Racing in first and second in Group B. And Melgar now have scored five and conceded three and Racing have scored four and conceded three. Yes. So obviously if Racing hadn't scored yeah. that goal then it would be five two, which is a goal difference of plus three for Melgar yeah, three. and four two. Yeah. No, it wouldn't of course it wouldn't it would be three. The good thing for three, Racing is that yeah, yeah, the, the good thing for Racing is that um, they're gonna close with two home games, and that should be enough if uh, if both are one, should be enough to qualify. And the in other point in the South Americana, yeah, of yeah. course. Um, and the other point I wanted to make, and I, I le left it for late, uh, for, for later, and uh, for last, because I think it's gonna spark a, a big debate. It's that I was at the uh, at the stadium at Racing on 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 Sunday, and talking about Arboleda, I was really appalled to see and to hear so many insults with racial connotation and it was really really bad there were yeah to, to hear that there. and i think you know there was a debate lately about whether argentina is a racist country or not whether racism <laughs> exists in argentina or yeah. not and i can tell you it exists is really bad and we're going with to Boca, right, as well. I um, mean, Corinthians, one, at least one band got arrested yeah. Um, yeah. For, for racial racially abusive taunts. He was he, he was mimicking a monkey. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, supporter also against Fortaleza, a supporter threw a banana to, yeah. to, to the crowd. Yeah, it does happen. Like. So it does it, it's, I was just wanted to put it out there because I went to the, to the stadium. It's like um, dad and kids plan for me now. I go with Felipe, he's 12. I go with Manuel, he's seven, almost seven, and for them to hear that kind of abuse, that kind of insult with a racial connotation from people that, you know, of a certain, um, how, you, how, you can, how you put it, um, they can afford a, big, a good seat in, in, at Racing, you have to, um, they have a certain level of living and you presume that they have some education as well but it was like horrible horrible I, I i really felt bad i had a conversation with my kids after afterwards um and yeah of course i i, I cannot 
I cannot sit here and say um, that I'm surprised that at a football stadium you hear bad language or stuff like that. It's not me being over the top or reacting uh, a little bit too much, but I, as a dad going there, as a father going there with two kids, I, I felt really bad. I, I have to say it because you know I. I still processing it, and it's really yeah. You want to you want to make sure that they don't uh, reply that. Of course, no, they're they're not gonna. It's it's not like those guys are gonna educate my kids. Uh, it's not them that are uh, that are gonna educate them. They can just have a bit of influence, ten minutes or ninety minutes uh, every week. Um, but for sure, I'm using them as uh, as examples of what's not supposed to be done. You know, it's uh, and and. I'm not afraid that they're gonna be mimicking that or doing or doing it, but the fact that they hear it, they have to. The, the fact that they have to stand it, um, it's not nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, well done. First of all, and you know, let's all pat ourselves on the back. But you know, where where we're sitting around this table is four white guys, basically. So we're probably not the best uh, positioned to talk about this. Um, but yeah, there was certainly, I, I, I think, I, I hear it a lot less now, but certainly I think we had conversations really, really, really early in the history of this podcast. I can't remember whether the microphone would have been switched on at the time or not. Um, about stuff like, you know, taxi drivers telling you, oh, you know, there's no racism in Argentina because we don't have any black people. Um, and then thinking, you know, do you know why you don't have any black people? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're saying that's racist, there's no racism? Um, and also something that, you know, I've obviously I'm not writing that much about football now. I don't have a kid who I've got to think about bringing up. I don't have any plans to have a kid who I've got to think about bringing up. Uh, but I am working a lot with language, being a proofreader and moving into a little bit of editing as well. Um, and so these are uh, concepts and ideas that are constantly in my mind now as well. And we just got back from Patagonia. Uh, I can't remember whether I told you I was going, Seba, but that was why we didn't record for three weeks and there we went to in Calafate to the Centro de, de Interpretación Histórica um, which was set up in I think the guy told us about 2006 or something basically by a school teacher who was like there's no museum in this city town village it's got about 15,000 people or something today so you know pick your descriptor of choice um, and it looks at the whole history of mostly Argentine, but also a little bit of Chilean uh, Patagonia, going back from the dinosaurs, loads of dinosaurs of which there were in Patagonia, lot, yeah. lots of fossils and stuff, so that was fascinating, right up to the, the, the less fun stuff and the much more recent stuff um, about how Patagonia became part of Argentina, which is a, a long and complicated story, and I'm not going to bore you with it here on this football podcast, not least because there are no football teams in California, <laughs> yeah. so there's no reason to. Um, but yeah, uh, th there is, there was a lot of stuff to look at and, and be like, wow, right, this was, I mean, I'm very vaguely aware beforehand that, you know, the, the conquista del desierto, the, the conquering of the desert, uh, was so-called for not entirely on reasons. I wasn't aware that the reason they chose that name was that they considered it a desert because the homo sapiens living in it weren't seen as being fully human. Mm. Um, and yeah, all of that sort of stuff it all ties yeah. into one yeah <clears throat> at the same time it's a very progressive country in so many aspects mm. I mean, it's pioneering in so many ways 
Um, um, slavery was abolished really, really early here in, in Argentina. Um, but yeah, I think um, it is it is something that it's there. Um, it embarrassed me uh, big time, and 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 also it embarrassed me to hear that there's people saying no, this is not racist. Uh, no, this is not. This is just you funny know, football. Yeah, yeah or this just is just to try and gain an advantage. Yeah, or this is what happens in Copa Libertadores. No, it's not what happens in Copa Libertadores. You can set fireworks outside a hotel room, try to prevent uh, the the visiting team from yeah, sleeping. I mean, the argument from the fans would be, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not. We're not saying it because he's black. I'm saying because he was wasting time, arboleda, and being a being a bit of a dick. I could have said he was fat. I could have said he was. Skinny, you know, I just, you know, I just chose he was black because that's just a physical trait of his, yeah. Uh, but it's disingenuous, obviously, and it's something that we've all come up with, um, come up against living in Argentina, and and it's something that's that really needs to change. And I think there have been positive steps. Definitely, I remember when, when I first came here going to... Racing games against Boca or any team against Boca and all of the just horrific chants against Bolivians and Paraguayans um, and that's something that has diminished a lot they're still there but it's not something that catches the entire stadium it's kind of a minority um, who will keep singing it and and I remember at one point refs used to stop the game and yeah. Anyone remember that yeah, one no. at its kind of peak? They stopped because that, they started punishing that behavior. Yeah, and I think it's probably more difficult, you know, when you when it's just individual fans scattered around the platea, you know, who are who are shouting racial epithets. But uh, there, is, you know, there are steps to be taken. Um, definitely, a, you know, considering as um, uh, what Seva said just before, you know, he's in a sector of the stadium which. Um, has assigned seats. Everyone knows who's there. Yeah. Uh, your document number, so it shouldn't yeah. be particularly hard to identify people. So if they, you know, started identifying and banning people who are shouting these things, that's going to make people think. Obviously, it's a bit more difficult if it's coming from the popular with yeah. twenty five thousand people <laughs> on top of each other. But you can make a start of thinking uh, yeah. in the seats at least, you know, and and see if it trickles down. Yeah. And uh, the, the last thing that I will say is that, yes, Dan and I are aware that we are English and that we are not, uh, <laughs> our own country is not any better in these respects. In a lot of ways, we just, you know, a lot of people think, uh, no, a lot of people back there seem to, you know, the media and the authorities and stuff like to dress themselves up and pretend that they're better, mm. uh, but they're not. But if, obviously, this is not. If there are countries where there, are, there is no racism, there might, might be one or two, I don't know. What, what, yeah. what, what is that country in which there is no racism at all? Yeah. It's, no, it's, I mean, you see it in Brazil as well. It's not, no. it's not only when an Argentine team goes to visit Brazil and, and gets involved in a, an altercation with, a, with Brazilian fans. It happens in between Brazilians as well. There's I mean, a lot of racism. Players, there were some episodes. Yeah. The, I think the Sábado was in, in jail, but... Yeah, the Sábado, uh, he was playing for Kilmes, right? Yes, I think. Uh, back then? In Sao Paulo, I yeah, think he's, was. I think he spent one night in oh, jail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, knew, I, I knew it was going to spark a little debate. I just wanted to uh, get it off my chest, and, and, and I remember that episode um, from Sunday. But 
Uh, we can move on to yes football more pleasant yeah. yeah. subjects. Let's move on to happier things such yeah. as Boca Juniors winning a match. I mean, it's happy for Boca Juniors fans, not lots of Boca <laughs> fans, but you know, it's a positive. It was uh, short-lived, but it, and yeah. this, it was against Central Cordoba, so it doesn't really count. Which is yeah, it's a handicap. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Eduardo Salvio got two goals. Uh, the second, I seem to remember, was quite well taken. I didn't see the first one. Um, he was across from uh, Oscar Romero, and he appeared with yes. no marks. Uh, no, no one was marking him, and, and really, really early on, right? Yes. Yeah. I can't um, comment on this. I was at yeah. a, as a, I was at a concert <laughs> that yeah. night in La Plata, I, and it was unexpected because. Up until Friday, I didn't even know this band were playing there in La Plata. And a friend of mine said, hey, I was supposed to go with my wife. She's not feeling well. Um, can you come? And say, yeah, of course. And the band, if you want to listen to some rock and roll from Argentina, um, you better uh, go, uh, go listen to this band called La Renga, which means... Oh, the classic old band. Yeah, it's yeah. a classic old band. They're older than, than I am, so, you know... <laughs> But it was amazing. It was just the, the stadium was pu- was was full. Uh, it's the stadium where Estudiantes used to play the Estadio Único de la Plata, mm. and the the people was the people were there. I mean that was that was el pueblo. You know that was that was uh, really nice to see. It was uh, um, something that during the pandemic you thought you would never leave again, and then all of a sudden you were there. With a lot of people bouncing, jumping up and down, and uh, it's great to to, it's to great. see a band playing in a a, a, a huge a, a big stadium because all that is also something. Yeah. That with crisis, is is like brass small places, not big stadiums for, for yeah. bands. Open places, you know, big parks. But yeah, uh, um, let's go back to Boca. I was, yeah. That was just my excuse for not saying anything about Boca because <laughs> I missed that game. No, I was I was going to ask whether either of you two in that case, since Seb's already said he didn't see it, saw the first half because I see that um, Renzo Lopez for for Central Cordoba after obviously after Salvio scored the opener because Salvio scored the opener three minutes in. First of all, had a penalty saved, and then in stoppage time of the first half, scored one. He he yeah. uh, the same place he had missed and. Uh, the other day, because the previous one and, and the second one, of course, uh, was was in. Basically, the great Javi Garcia can't do everything. He's really doing his best to keep Boca propped up, but he needs a little bit of help. Yeah, well, he got some from Salvio because Salvio scored a fairly late winner um, from a who got the assist, Sebastián Misha, of course. Who I think did he come on or did he play the whole game? He did quite well in the bit of the game that I saw. Salvio, of course, I, oh, he started. Uh, Salvio, Salvio, I don't know if you discussed this, but he was uh, involved in a. Oh, I forgot about this. In, oh, that's incredible. In an incident, just a couple of weeks before the, this game, he scored a couple that night. But a um, couple of weeks before, he <coughs> ran her uh, his um, former wife, or I don't know if he's divorced or not. Well, he, they're separated yeah. uh, anyway. Yeah. She saw him with another woman. <coughs> he was in his car. He says she, she he saw a social media post from this woman, right? I like they know. broke up. The, the version that, that my girlfriend's dad, who's a Boca fan and <laughs> therefore was aware of this, uh, told me was they they broke up like three months ago or something. She sees his his ex sees a post from his new girlfriend having an asado around at his place in Puerto Madero with a bunch of their friends, and sends her a message saying, or sends him a message 
saying like I'm at two o'clock in the morning saying I'm waking our kids up and bringing them around I'm going to call a fucking scandal so you better be ready <laughs> at which point Salvio shuts down the barbecue and says right everybody out we've got it I didn't know this part all I heard was the, the which sounds like uh, the end of the episode which is Salvio's long time girlfriend wife um, so sees him in a car with the with with his new girlfriend. No, it was somebody. He, it was someone else who she assumed was ah, the new girlfriend. Ah, it was right. like his so cousin's like wife person. or something. <laughs> anyway, he sees her, or he says he doesn't. He, he says he didn't see her, and it was a hit and run situation mm. uh, with the car, and he left, and there was a bit of a scandal for a couple of weeks. They let it die a couple of weeks. The the story. And then Sabio makes an appearance and scores two goals, well, which is very weird from, from, it's, from him. It's violence against women in Argentina. There will be a time... No one cares. Oh my God. There will be a time in which... Just like racism. It, it doesn't it, exist. It's this, this is like a... Very, um, <laughs> they're, they're very grim many. podcast. <laughs> yeah, but you know, yeah. Sabio's here, so we're back to talking about the hearts. <laughs> Don't blame it on me. This yeah. is so happening. A player scoring after having a, a problem with Lloyd's... Yeah. Nothing strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was curious. Some people s- uh, thought that Sabio was going to be excluded for a while, but it wasn't the case. And so an assist from somebody who had an issue with uh, domestic violence, like Sebastián Villa, and a goal from Sabio, who also has a history of domestic violence. Um, so it's not not good to see. No, indeed, not in that, not either. I've just noticed that Dejan Verón came on as well for Estudiantes uh, for Central Córdoba quite late. Uh, yes, Verón's uh, Yes, exactly, which is why I was noticing it. But that must be, I was looking to see whether it was his professional debut, but it isn't. He apparently played one game for Estudiantes in last year's Copa de la Liga. And this was his fourth appearance. But mm. uh, a name to look out for? Possibly. Maybe, yeah. just based on the yeah. fact that it's a very easy surname, at least, to remember. While we're um, on the subject, almost of violence, we're going to talk about Gashara's smack. That was oh, big yes. word. That was big news. I think Andres had better talk about this because I don't know what you're talking about. Did you not about. see it? No. Ah. He smacked one of his players over the head as he was running past. And they're going against Atletico Tucumán. It was uh, Andres Herrera. This was a 1-1 draw at home. Yes. Uh, I'll just set the scene. Enzo Fernandez scored a penalty uh, deep in stoppage time of the first half. And then Ramiro... Ruiz Rodriguez didn't quite manage to R- R- Triple R. Equalised for Atletico Tucumán quite early in the second half. I didn't see the smack because I was in the other side. I was I was there and I was in the other side of the stands, so I couldn't watch him. Of course, I watched it late. Watched it later when you want to see the details uh, that you couldn't in in the stadium, mm. and I saw that that he yes, uh, <laughs> it was like was uh, like a. Uh, like, yes, it was smart, but uh, uh, it, when Gachardo is, in, is uh, angry, you notice it. Mm. And, well, that was the case. Uh, when the team is not playing well, like it was the case, he is, is uh, during these uh, last days, he was a bit like uh, not, not hiding his, his feelings. Mm. And, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. when, when the player doesn't do what they, he is expect them uh, to do, it's like... Something like this happens. Mm. It was a clip round the ear, like my like my dad used to say. <laughs> Give us a quick clip round the ear and send it to our way. Uh, but it was clearly a poor match from River. Uh, mm. The perhaps most easiest match you, you could 
how uh, in the previous parts uh, uh, previous to the match that it will be finally it was hard for Trevor because the Gallardo uh, started I think a bit late to, to rotate the, the squad and you you have to sum that uh, against Tacheres it was a, a very very also a, a poor match yeah. with most reserves players and the image they, they left wasn't uh, good at all. That's why it's like he's trying to see what, what uh, who, which players to rotate, which ones not to rotate. And physically, physically they, they are showing some like... Uh, yeah. They recover uh, in midweek in Copa Libertadores when they beat Colo Colo. But when it comes to Copa de la Liga, the, the everyday, the, the, the Sunday action, the, the weekend's action here, the local, the, the domestic uh, competition, they really got in a mess because if they would have won that game they would have been virtually in the quarterfinals or possibly even already qualified and now they I mean it will take a defeat at Sarmiento which will be surprising no with the news Sarmiento victory against news that made River for River possible to lose against Sarmiento and then if they defeat Platense to be into the quarter final. Yeah, they've yeah. got away to Sarmiento and at home to Platense yes. and it, at the moment they are other Salimatodos. If they defeat Platense, no matter what happens against Sarmiento, they will be in. Yeah, um, and they've also got an advantage. So, it is tight, right? They're, they're Racing have 28 points after 12 games. River have 23 points after 12 games. Newells have played 13 because of this match yes. last night against San Lorenzo and also have 23 points. Argentinos are in fourth with 21. Sarmiento are in fifth with 21. So just behind Argentinos on goal difference. But that's the problem for River because if Sarmiento were to now. beat them, they will surpass River. And then Argentinos, if they win, they will surpass River as well. And yeah, of course, Newells did River a big, big favor <laughs> last night. Oh, well, no, no, we win which position, but if River wins uh, Platense, they will be get, yeah. get through. Of course, you know which of the positions, which of course will determine yeah. then. Who will you face in the... They're going to go through. And they've got, yeah, yeah, they've yeah. Also, they've, matched out, really. Yeah. They've got a big goal difference cushion over... I mean, over Newell's, which is why they're second at the moment. Um, they've got plus 11. Newell's have got plus 4. Over Argentinos, they've also got, also got plus 4. Over Sarmiento, they've currently got plus 1. Um, it's almost like an extra point, really, for them, that. Yeah. The thing is that the, the, the idea will always be the same, to press, to, to, to try to... Uh, go every time to, to, uh, to attack and, and, and press the, the rivals, but the the low performance or the low uh, level that they are, the players are showing may make that even the teams uh, that uh, uh, go and play uh, uh, to attack River, which of course leaving spaces in, in, in their backs, also complicate River. Some time ago, it was uh, only the teams that were in their sides and, and tried to wait River uh, were the ones who made things difficult for River. And now it's River showing that they, the, the teams that play like more ahead in the, in, the, in the pitch could also complicate. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking on the way here um, about the things that we could be discussing tonight. I was thinking to ask you guys, um, because I'm seeing it in, that it's a case for many, many teams. That I think they're starting to feel the fatigue effect, and they're starting to feel, mm. uh, especially teams that don't have a big, big squad, 
Yeah, or, sure. of them, or some players that used to be capable of delivering uh, the goods and they're not anymore. It's the case for many Boca players, many River players, um, and then injuries as well. And teams playing virtually every three days for a long, long time. So I was, um, I wanted to put it out there because you know, for me. For River is one of the problems now because yeah. muscle, muscle injuries, which yeah. shows that we were saying last week that Boca have probably got the biggest squad, but not playing the best at the moment. <laughs> River haven't got as big a squad, but have got probably a slightly higher floor, if you like, than Boca in terms of where their performance goes. But when they've got as many injuries as they have at the moment, it's yeah. it's a worry. And clearly, both of them are massively prioritising the Copa Libertadores. Quite the group stage is well and truly underway. Um, which leads to some interesting sort of incidents of just taking their eyes off the ball in, in given matches and stuff. But yeah, I mean, River in particular seem to have been considering that they're trying to push on both sort of fronts. And I forgot you to name mention... that front five or six in mm. every single game. Mm. It's yeah. Enzo Perez, Santiago Simon, Enzo Fernandez, sometimes Agustin Panavecino, sometimes someone else, Matias Suarez, now he's back in, and Julian Alvarez. Just de la Cruz Everything when de la Cruz is fit is there's no way that's for him not to play but the problem is that he he showed uh, suffer from a uh, I know how to say thrombosis venosa again uh, thrombosis yes ah okay <laughs> suffer from thing about medical terms <laughs> so, well he suffered from that and and he's still like showing some deficit in that aspect in physical but for example last night he played I think at the I know ten points. 11 points, perhaps. <laughs> uh, uh, and we, we expected something from him like that because uh, uh, we waited that. Uh, but uh, I, I forgot to mention the Robert Rojas injury during the last episode. Yeah. As he's key in the defense and after a, a, a big uh, kick from, from Aldair Rodriguez, it was the name, I think. Uh, well, he had to go into surgery and he will be four or six, five, six months uh, out of the pitch. Yeah, that was scary because he also mm. has some heart yes, complications. Probably. Yeah, but he's doing better now. Yes, yes. yes. <clears throat> uh, so yes, the injuries, even these, which are accidents, or the muscle injuries, which are the uh, produced by the demand of the uh, 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 pressure and that, make of course that uh, you have to planify to plan a different match because you have different players, but. It's complicated, of course. Yeah, while, while Andres was talking just now, I was just looking through the lineups and the subspenches from River's last two matches, including the 2 1 win over Melgar in the Copa Libertadores last night. Colorful. Thank you, Melgar. Melgar, what? Racing's vanquishes. And I realised that it's not maybe quite so much that River have got a small squad. I would say they've, they're a bit short on centre backs, maybe. Um, but they bought like four centre backs. <laughs> In the summer, yes, but they're uh, just all being rubbish. It's more that that great transfer window that we talked about in our first podcast of the um, of the year uh, of how they, they brought in all of these stellar players. They brought in so many of them at the same time. There's a lot of them are still just kind of trying to find their feet and find their teammates and work out who likes the ball, play to which foot and where, and so on. Um, but Pinola and Maidana are injured. Gonzalo Pires, well. I prefer not to talk about him. <laughs> and uh, Mamana is still out of reason. So Do you know yeah. the, the nickname uh, that I read on Twitter for González Pires? They, they call it Constantes Pifias. <laughs> 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 Which <Sorry>. means... <laughs> 
constant mistakes, right? It would be the translation for... <laughs> for but no, I think he's a good player. Of course, it's difficult to play for River, and especially when they have a, they play for in, in a high line, uh, defensive, defensively speaking. Uh, it's not easy. It's not easy to, to play in that position. Um, speaking of not easy to play uh, there, uh, I see this Copa de la Liga uh, showing or proving very, very difficult for, for a couple of clubs that maybe they are they gave us like um, they made us used to seeing them do well like Lanús mm. like Vélez mm. not so much Rosario Central but they used to be uh, they used to have a couple of good campaigns now they're really struggling they're really bad mm. um, and I wonder what would be the explanation for that but, but what I first have in mind when I was talking about difficult to play for was Independiente and San Lorenzo, of course. We can talk about really them. Yeah, that, that's really bad. It's like a toxic environment at, the, at both clubs. And the pressure is a lot bigger than at, mm. the other, at these other clubs. But what would be... What's the deal? Well, listen, I, I wonder with Lanús. I, I don't watch them enough. Yeah. So I'm, I am wondering, literally. I'm just putting it out there. But they haven't played Pepe Sand as much this year. That's not a criticism. It's not surprising. He is going to be turning 42 in a couple of months. But he renewed his contract. He extended the contract. Um, but whether just the fact that they have, I won't say relied, but he's been such an important part of their team for such a long time. And obviously the other kid, Juan Manuel Lopez. 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 Yeah. Lopez. Jose Lopez. Jose Lopez. Jose Lopez. Jose Lopez. Uh, who was his partner last year. And you know we, we were talking about it uh, <coughs> at one point last year. The fact that Sam's first professional goal was scored before his strike partner had been born. Mm. Um, <laughs> and then they're also from like neighbouring towns in Corrientes, yeah, yeah. which is really fun. Uh, just kind of, th there's going to be some kind of an effect, at least on Lanus's attack, uh, as a result of taking out such a key figure who's been so key for so long. I'm saying, you know what? You're not the future of the club. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're very much the past of the club, and we're very grateful to you for everything you've done. But uh, we need to start building the future. Clearly, you know, obviously, but whenever he plays, he scores. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> I think he's he's already scored this year at least once. I think if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, no more than one. I think he scored last weekend or yeah, yeah recently against yeah. Boca. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, he scored against Boca. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. But, um, and with Vélez, it's just yeah. It feels to me like ever since I've started following Argentine football, Vélez have these cycles of being really, really good. And then they'll be crap for about a year, uh, really crap. And then they'll <laughs> yeah. start looking good again. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah, they have a. They produce so many good players. They cannot be. They cannot hold them for long enough. Uh, maybe that's one of the explanations why they're struggling uh, of late. They have been changing managers ever since Heinze left. They have struggled to they find. Have Pellegrino, yeah, now Pellegrino. someone else. Bacali, yeah. I think. Yeah. Bacali, yeah. But you know, to me, it's like uh, it yeah. could be. Julio Bacari. It could be like a metaphor of. Club the, I assume. Could be like a metaphor for the middle class struggling. <laughs> for, <laughs> yeah, you know? Um, during the pandemic and after. Um, it could be, you know, I don't Absolutely. know. It could be difficult for them to. Keep, um, players that perhaps keep leave and they replace the exactly. them with yeah. poor... Uh, the economy is really yeah. bad. So yeah. they have to play a bunch of kids. They're not as lucky as maybe Banfield. They mm -hmm. have been doing better. Not that they're brilliant, 
they have been playing better, but uh, they're still in danger. I think they're not going to qualify to the quarterfinals. But they're on the verge of being knocked out. Bellas. But at the same... Banff. Nah, Banff. Banff. Ah, Banff, right, yeah. But it's pretty much the same yes. uh, but type Bellas, of club. You know? Bellas replaced Lucero with Prato. Lucero went to Chile. It's not that he went to Europe. Yeah. Uh, because they play way better wishes in Chile, which is mm -hmm. here. Uh, and, uh, for example, then Independiente had to uh, let go Silvio Romero, Romero, who was his goal scorer. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether Fortaleza played, played 120... <laughs> no, uh, one hundred twenty thousand dollars, something like that. Wow! Uh, with cheap, cheap for a player, yeah, that's twenty million dollars. Which probably yes. all went to Romero as well in back wages. Yeah. So independiente probably didn't see anything. So of. that yes, I think that agree. It's something that repeat. It's repeated in. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Teams. Then again, I think that um, thanks to this format, a lot of the clubs are just going to be a bit relieved um, to see it finish, right? Like uh, these clubs we just mentioned, Vélez, Lanús. Independiente, San Lorenzo, they know that two games, they're done, they can have a few weeks break, um, kind of regroup before the actual league starts and it's probably going to be a different prospect because I think probably the problem with this copper is you, you don't do well for the first six or seven games and your back's already against the wall, the fans are getting pissed off, you know, you've got the urgency, you've got the, the stress of needing to get results and that can provoke kind of a tailspin in clubs which are probably a little bit better than results um, suggest. Uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the likes of Lanús and Vélez have a bit more luck in the in the long league which is coming up because the clubs that tend to do a bit better over time rather than just in one of these you know 12, 13 game sprints That's which is... So Which is the Copa Liga Profesional. The other thing that, that we've talked about so many times over the 11 and a half years we've been doing this podcast is that so many of the matches are, are decided on such slim margins. Oh, yeah. That you can... I mean, look at Estudiantes last year. Who gave like, Estudiantes two yeah. pesos? Like, Speaking they, of... They were just a team, like another team of millions. But Speaking of Estudiantes, we're going to take a break now. Uh... Let's we're going to refill our glasses, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Estudiantes and a bit more about, I was going to say Group B, because basically all of the stuff we've been talking about, apart from Bellis and Lanús so far, has happened in Group A. Just as Tony pointed out last week, Group A is the more interesting. It's far more interesting. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, we'll talk to about Boca, And one or two of the other teams who, whose fans perhaps might be slightly annoyed at us for not having mentioned them yet. Yeah. Argentinos, Tigre and Aldosibi, all of whom are currently in the spot for the playoffs, uh, so don't go anywhere. Okay, so Estudiantes um, are still a machine, basically, right? They, what did they do at the weekend? Uh, Drew with Colón, as a good machine should. Uh, so that's slightly pissed on my chips. And no, so, no, so but yeah, listen, they were all um, reserves. reserves. Yeah, yeah they, they were very They were young. holding back the first team for the match against Bragantino, whose owners do not pay hand of pod any money to 
read out their names, so I'm not going to give them their full name. Uh, but you know which, you know, horrible, sugary-tasting energy drink they're owned by anyway, if you follow football. Um, yeah, they want 2-0 in the Libertadores, yeah. so well done. Yeah, and the, the draw against Colón came, um, and look, look it up, look this goal up on, on YouTube or wherever you can find it, because it was amazing, an amazing free kick from one of the youngsters for, uh, with a difficult surname, so you will excuse me <laughs> if I... Bautista... Okay, I'm going to say this as if it's a Spanish name, which it clearly is not. Kosciubinski. Kosciubinski, there you go. The new Lewandowski. The new oh, Lewandowski. He yeah. <laughs> was a fantastic free kick, and yeah, he, they, they rescued a point which is valuable not only for the position in the standings, not only for uh, preventing or avoiding defeat, but also, <laughs> but, but also it was important because they played their B team uh, and, and they gave experience to a lot of uh, young uh, up and coming players. Um, so yeah, it was um, it was impressive, uh, especially for the way they they managed to. You, you to won't score. believe this, but they played 15 matches between Copa de la Liga and Copa Libertadores, and they only lost against Boca. It's incredible because well, right. you say Boca, they, they, the way they are playing, it's impossible. One of the best <laughs> teams in Argentina and Copa Libertadores is Estudiantes, and yeah. and they lost only one match in the 15, and they lost it against Boca. It's Mm. Really strange. I'm, I'm currently watching run. this free kick. This, oh, okay. uh, well, actually, I'm watching it's some dodgy YouTube stream. So I'm assuming <laughs> this is the foul coming up that they get the free kick away from because the video started <laughs> with a corner. And he was um, uh, on that same goal a um, couple of weeks back. Pulga Rodriguez scored a fantastic free kick as well. He, he, scores he only scores yeah. fantastic goals. <laughs> yes, free yeah. kicks or, or, or not free kicks, but it's he's injured now. I was gutted. I think he's out for two months or something. Oh, that's a shame. Big black. Yeah. I noticed that Quintero didn't get on the pitch last night, either. No, so we were talking about Quinteros, the coach of Colo Colo, I think. Players are the only reason to watch their clubs. Oh, that's a complete dive to win the free kick as well. <laughs> <laughs> Top work. Well, yeah, Estudiantes are, are uh, looking very strong um, in both competitions. Um, they are historically, and but nowadays maybe uh, even more, or they're doing justice to their history, but... They are the masters of set pieces. They're scoring for fun with uh, is it Agustin Rogel? Yes. Yeah, his, uh, his surname, Agustin. Rogel for sure. Rogel for sure is, is his surname. He seems to be at the end of every good mm. cross, uh, oh. every rebound. He's scoring for fun. <laughs> and uh, It's a weapon that you that you'd be lucky to have, um, especially, as you mentioned a few minutes back, so many games are decided by the limits of margins and, and Estudiantes has an advantage and over I think they found, they found the perfect coach. just seen it, I would just say, as not only as an Englishman, but also as a Manchester United fan, David Beckham would have been proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> that is postage stamp, just right in the corner. Beautiful. Sorry, Andres, yeah. carry on. No, I think Estudiantes found the perfect coach for them. Because Zielinski, uh, I think, that has the, the style perfect for Estudiantes. Yeah. In fact, some time ago, I think he said that a victory of the, they, they had got was uh, dedicated to Bilardo, who was, uh, now is uh, with health problems. And, and so it's, that is, uh, I think, a sign. That yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Zielinski would struggle to find full support 
in other clubs. He was at Racing, Racing and he did. Hard. He won. Yeah. He, I remember he, uh, Racing won a Clásico de Avellaneda three 0 Gabriel Milito was manager for Independiente. Ironically, both ended up coaching estudiantes, and they're very different different styles. But for Zielinski, it, it wasn't like Zielinski was embraced by 100% of Racing fans. There were some fans that didn't like the way that, that, that they played, but for estudiantes... It's to be fair, Racing was like the only game he won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you could, you yeah. could say it's similar to Boca with Falcioni. That yeah. before he arrived, it was not there was a 100% of the supporters wanted him. Uh, in fact, he left yeah. for Bianchi to come back to Boca, but uh, he, he won titles. Yeah, but he lost the final the Libertadores in yes. 2012 against Corinthians. Came very close to winning. It, it's kind of the you know Seba. You're one of the people on our WhatsApp group, not the only one, who mentions Bovair. <laughs> lot, right, which is this idea that, uh, and it's I'm not, I'm not arguing against it by the way, I'm just outlining it for, for listeners who've not heard the term before, this idea that Boca and Riber, Bovair, put the names together and you see what comes up, are just you know two sides of the same coin or you know for fans of other clubs who are not called Boca Juniors mm. or River Plate in Argentina, the same side of the same coin really. Yeah. Um, yes. But also it extends to an extent perhaps to the to the rest of the big five, this idea that they're kind of Uh, we want to play football a certain way and it is easier for a manager like Sielinski yeah. to get people to listen to him yeah. at other clubs I mean just look at the number of managers Man United have gone through in the last decade nearly decade uh, because people have turned up and the players are like I'm listening to you yeah. I mean no, the equivalent I, also... I guess if we had to pinpoint one would be David Moyes, right? He'd be a very similar yeah, I mean, figure to Zielinski, like very good at Everton, was, then also at United, this, then good at West Ham. Oddly, I was talking about this with somebody just the other day, and I, I made the point that, for me, David Moyes did also create some of it himself by coming into Old Trafford, which I think Jonathan Wilson, possibly on this podcast mm. at one point, said that um, it was a job that he couldn't possibly turn down, and yet that yeah. he was never, ever going to be able to, to succeed at. But he created some of that himself by coming in and saying, yeah, all, all these backroom staff who've just got this club to, was it three Champions League finals in four years or something? Like, really recently before I've come in. No, I'm going to bring in my own guys from Everton. Why would you do that? <laughs> You've got a chance to work with some of the best yeah. coaches and assistant managers in the world. And you're I mean, it makes sense up. from one point because you want a fresh start. You have yeah, to have sure, people who are going to respond to you, who are going to have your back. But if you want Not the players the shadow to listen Ferguson to what you're saying, like, on the, you know, you want people who actually want the club to do it's well. a difficult one it's, it's definitely a difficult one because of anyway. course the last time you know the equivalent situation for United being back in the 70s when yeah. Samat Busby goes and they almost just tried to keep the same system in place with his old assistant but without Busby and that turned out again to be an absolute oh, yeah, failure yeah, but anyway this, this I, podcast I think the conclusion is well, that well, United well, have only ever had two good so, managers no, but it's a, it's a fantastic <laughs> it's a fantastic point because You know, if if you force me to pick one club in the entire football world, in the entire planet, with a certain identity that every fan really buys into, it could be Athletic Bilbao, Estudiantes de la Plata, not a lot more, not a lot more. Yeah. I mean, and for River, Racing, eh, Boca, Independiente, they're so big, so popular. You, you in, your fan base, opinion, yes. in your fan base you have Bilardo fans and you have Menotti fans and exactly. you have you know, Tiki Tiki fans and 
um, whatever, uh, Catenacho fans. Yeah. But for Estudiantes, it's like a perfect communion. Yeah, whenever, yeah. whenever there is a defensive-minded uh, set-piece expert uh, type of coach, they love him because that's the way they want to play. And if they don't play like that, they don't feel identified it's, and they don't it's support. It's the red and white stripes. It, it could be the red and white stripes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, there's also the lion. Estudiantes is called the Leon. I think Bilbao has... Bilbao is Leon as well. Yeah, so there's a lot of... Uh, yeah, identity there, there. common yes. identity but um, but yeah it's difficult for for these type of coaches to be instantly successful or fully supported by their fan base but he had, he had when chips, they go to a bigger he achieves things which are quite difficult for a coach which is you know that the team is from him yeah like mm. he did at Belgrano like the and now it's a yeah for better and for, yes. or for worse yeah as the Alinsky team is as the Alinsky team yeah. Yeah. Pizzi and managed the same Oh. You knew, you knew. If the team playing fast and loose with the concept team, there. <laughs> if the really. team stinks, you Rabble know it's rabble things <laughs> um, Looking through some of the other uh, sides in Group B, who are doing less impressively than Estudiantes, Boca. For all of the slagging off that we gave them last week, Boca somehow only four points behind Estudiantes, uh, which is closer, therefore, mm. than River Arta Racing in the other group. Um, Admittedly, Estudiantes have 25 points and Boca 21, whereas in Group A, Racing have 28 and River have 23, but still. Uh, Tigre and Aldo Civi both have 20 points. Incredible. And yeah, for Aldo Civi, it's a, yeah. for Aldo Civi it's a fantastic recovery. And Remember, Tigre were in the B last year. Yeah. 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 Well, but, but for and Tigre... Playing, I mean, I've not seen a lot of whole matches, but when mm. I've caught snatches of, of Tigre playing, Pretty good fun to watch. They, they seem to have picked up where they left off last time with uh, Gorosito in um, 2019, was it? Where yeah. they qualified for the Libertadores, won the Copa Superliga and managed to go down in the same year. Yeah. And they were playing really nice football then. Um, yeah, I think it's... And a they seem to have stuck to it all the time in, in the Bay as well, which is a fucking really difficult league to get out of. Yeah. It's, uh, even, they're not it's even more difficult now. Goals, oh, yeah. But they're still, you know... They're doing well. Yeah, yeah I think it's um, it makes sense because they kept the manager. He's a young, innovative manager that kept the core team together. They mm-hmm. brought in some um, good uh, signings like Diego Martinez. Mini, yeah, mini Gago, you could say. Perhaps. Yeah, he plays attractive football. The fans support uh, him, and also they play without pressure because they came up. They knew if they win, if they won a couple of games. Mm-hmm. If you look at the promedios uh, standings. They're up there. Yeah. It's Boca River and yeah. Tigre. So um, that allows them to play with liberty and no pressure. Um, and they play exciting football. And Manin, the striker, is very good. Um, so but it's not that surprising to me to see that. It's um, because the teams in Primera División, there are 50%, maybe even higher than that. And you could argue they don't belong. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for Tigre to come up with a solid unit, play they, they must have convinced the, the players that they can do that because yeah. the most known players there is, I think, Predicher. Well, I don't mm. think he's per- precisely a. a, a I'm impressed to see that Martin Galmarini is still going. Oh, he doesn't play that much these days, I don't think, but he's still in the squad. I mean, he is Mr. Tigre, right? He's um, basically the owner owner of the club, the Galmarini family. Lucas Menossi. Or the owner of Tigre, we should say, yeah. 
the Gamarine family basically are in Tigre. If you told me five years ago that Lucas Menossi would still be at Tigre after they've been relegated and promoted to back up, I would think. <laughs> Lovely player in his day. But he didn't. He, he went to San Lorenzo, no, I think, no, in the middle. Not the same, Matthias. Right. Right. He's only 18. Sorry. Andrew. I think he went in the, to San Lorenzo in the middle, or, or he was. Oh, before. okay, that might make some sense. Menossi, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but then the other team that you mentioned, Aldo City. You I was going to say that Andres mentioned Fernando Gago. Just, I don't want to waste this yeah. segue, Seba. Uh, so, you know, talking of one of Fernando Gago's old clubs. Aldo Civi, yeah. yeah. And it's an impressive recovery because with Gago at the helm, they were losing every week. Like, I think mm. they lost like eight games in a row. Such nice point. football. So no, you've not been listening, not even, not not even. Been listening to the podcast. <laughs> so I just have to say, this is a handy editorial line. We have to point out that Aldo Civi tried to play good football and that's yes. yes. Carry on with yeah. your point. And then he got replaced by another Boca legend, um, even bigger legend than mm. Gago, of course, for Boca, Martin Palermo, all-time goal scoring. Who Andres <laughs> pointed out during our half-time break, somehow, is going to complete 10 years in management in November this year. Incredible. His I'm first old. job when he was announced as Godoy Cruz was in November 2012. I remember Palermo when he came up uh, through the Estudiantes uh, ranks and he had a long blonde hair. He scored a fantastic goal against River at the Monumental, celebrated like a yoga with a yoga. <laughs> Some, and then he danced. Well, he's, well he's, he was always such a Zen guy as a player, wasn't he? <laughs> and then... Um, I have to say, it's really impressive what he's been doing. He changed the mentality for Aldo Civi and it worked better than Gago's formula. And then Gago's formula works better at Racing than it, was, than it worked at Aldo Civi. And Palermo's is working better at Aldo Civi than it's worked, in, in my opinion, in any of the other clubs yeah. that I've seen him manage before. Yeah. And I admittedly don't so want to watch yeah. Mexican League stuff. But, yeah. but in Zombie, um, if you look at the teams there, you wouldn't bet on Alocidi and Tigre being there if you had to choose your four candidates. It's the former Vélez and Lanús, perhaps. Yeah, and, and they're all doing better than Independiente, uh, yeah. Rosario Central, uh, who else is there? La, uh, Colón Lanús, fifth. Lanús. Barracas Central, a sixth. Barracas we mentioned Central. very briefly last week how they, we were expecting them to be crap, but it turns out, unfortunately, that they're not. They have lost half of their matches. They've also they've won lost quite six games. It's just that they've also won five and then managed one draw in twelve. That was when they changed the manager as well because they got rid of uh, football commentator Rodolfo oh, de Paoli. Yeah, when they decided to fire the football commentator <laughs> and get a real manager, they actually started um, doing all right. <laughs> their, their goal difference though is particularly impressive. They're sixth in the table. Uh, to put this into perspective, Huracan, who are seventh in Group B i.e. one spot below them and one point below them, have scored 15 and conceded 15. Central Cordoba, who are in 8th, have scored 14 and conceded 19. Minus 5, but, you know, they're newly promoted. A bit iffy. Godoy Cruz scored 19 conceded 21. Barracas <laughs> Central have scored 14 and conceded 21. So they've got a goal difference of minus 7, <laughs> but they've got 16 points, level with Colón, whose goal difference is plus 2, uh, and 4 points behind Aldo Civi and Tigre. I mean, now... Aldo Civi and Tigre, you'd have to say, are the hot favourites to... They clearly won by less difference than they lost. Yes. To be fair, about 15 of those goals came in the first three games or so, under yeah. Pauli, <laughs> when they lost every game three five minutes. That's true. Actually, let's have a look at that. Barracas matches. Oh, shit, that's <laughs> going into last season as well. It was 2022. Uh, they started off with, let's see, 
three defeats, four, four defeats in a row, three, one, two, nil, two, nil, two, one. So what's that? Three, five, seven, <laughs> nine goals in the first four matches. They won their fifth match, but conceded a goal in it. So yeah, you're not an awfully long work. Ten goals in their first five games, yeah. they conceded. Um, yeah, so Tigre are going to be closing out this group stage with a visit to Meles, which on current form, you'd have to make Tigre a favourite for. And there was a 6-1 against Estudiantes for Barracas, which skewed oh, yeah, things of course, yeah. Oh, so that's, that's their 15 goals conceded. Yes. Straight up. Um, and then Tigre are at home to Boca on the last weekend of the group stage, which could be tricky. Uh, Aldo Sibi have got... Oof, they're away to Estudiantes this weekend. Good luck with that. And then they're at home to Arsenal. And in between, they've got a Copa Argentina game, which will probably be somewhere in Tierra del Fuego or something, against Colegiales. Um, Colegiales. <laughs> Tierra del Fuego oh. or somewhere. A, a <laughs> team that used to be great and now is like falling is Defensa Justicia. Who is just uh, now he's losing against Liga de Quito for Copa Sudamericana. Oh, they, wait, so they a oh right, they scored a minute ago now, oh, five minutes ago, and they conceded. Okay. So they're currently two one down in the eighty eighth minute. Not uh, in this is the I keep getting mixed up with who's in what competition now. It's the Sudamericana. Copa Sudamericana. Yes. If it's on ESPN, it's the Sudamericana because they're trying to keep Fox Sports as the. Copa Libertadores brand. That's the only reason Disney are keeping Fox alive in South America. For and then by the score time, you you may, you can see that it's not mm. Libertadores. Of course, yes, you can. Yeah, well done. It's almost as if you pay attention to these things and actually watch matches. <laughs> competitions, Andres. Well done. Um, okay, so otherwise, ah, right, yeah, Newells and Argentinos. I promised that we'd mention them as well. Argentinos are fourth in Group A at the moment, only on goal difference. It's true from Sarmiento. But either way, it looks like there's a pretty good chance of at least one club that we wouldn't necessarily have backed getting into the playoffs there. Yeah, for Argentinos now they have a tough proposition because they have to play Platense and they consider Platense to be their... The classic. That's the actual classic. It's not the one that they played exactly. in the round of Clásicos, but it is their actual classic. Exactly. And they are visiting uh, Platense. Platense is... Um, Hot and cold, you know, it's not mm. doing so well. They started, they started off uh, better than they're doing right now. They have a horrible run of, I think it was seven, I mean, seven defeats in eight games. You say that hot and cold. I think they're mostly cold. Lately, they've, they've lately, won, they've won but, two. But um, but yeah, I, I was referring to the la- latest part of last season when they, oh, right, okay. yeah, because they started off brightly when they came back to to Primera División. Um, they change managers uh, lately. They're, they change managers a couple of times since they uh, got promoted. Yeah. So that's not um, helping them a lot, a lot. But of course, they have their different targets. You know, it's not they don't they don't aim to qualify to the quarterfinals. They are trying to add up to the promedios because you know the relegation is it could be a threat um, in the second part of 2022. So that that game will be very interesting to watch on Monday. Because um, they Platense won the could... Clásico, right, against Argentinos in the last... Uh... I don't remember, last season? Yeah, I think yeah. they won 1-0 or something like that. Yeah. Last so it would be interesting because for Platense it would be like six points maybe because it's um, um, earning points for their own uh, promedio standing and then preventing Argent- Argentinos from uh, reaching the quarterfinals probably. Last year Platense won 1-0 in the Copa de la Liga. And in the league, it was nil-nil. Uh, so Patente got a 1-0 win in 
Sorry, Serba, but Mishahenaralmitre. Yeah. Not that bad there now. <laughs> uh, and then it was a nil-nil draw in... Um, I forgot Vicente what Lopez. the Oplentensi Stadium is in. Vicente, Vicente Lopez. Lopez, thank you. Um, so, yeah, they have the advantage since coming back up, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. Sarmiento could creep in ahead of them. Sarmiento have got... Lisandro Lopez. Uh, they're at home to River... And then they're away to Tacheres. So they ought to pick up three points, I would say, from that, those last two games. And the thing for Sarmiento is their impressive home, uh, home record. Mm. They are very, very hard to beat. They, are, they don't... Um, how you call it when your cheeks are red? Mm. Uh, they, barrels. They, they don't blush. They don't blush. If they put 11 men inside the box... They don't care. They mm. did that a racing that he did. Ooh, paid off. Christ, he paid off for a while. He paid off for, for a while. I mean, they were in the lead for an hour, right? They were in the lead for an hour. Well, and then out, yeah. seven minutes from mm. time, it was still 1-0. And then mm-hmm. Racing scored three in the last 10 minutes when Sarmiento was already down to 10 yes. men. So, But then playing at home, they're not they're not losing. So um, they're, they're going to be banking on that. It's going to be a tough proposition for uh, for River to break them down. If they you do that in River, it will be really, really tough because uh, one of the things that River don't like is when they, they, they their team plays so defensively. Yeah. And of course, they, they River uh, lives on green spaces and if they don't have that, uh, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. That's why you've got to start Quintero. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the fact that that's what makes me want to watch them. And that's yeah. just... No, it's because he's mind all the other players, Man United, are supposed to be linked with. And never mind the fact that he'd be a massive disaster if he in the Premier League. Just please, it would make me so happy for about five minutes. Um, Yeah, anyway, so that's that. Shall we move on to, let's do a quick bit. We've already kind of talked about the the Continental Cups um, a little bit anyway, but let's do a quick bit of a Copa Libertadores roundup. Uh, we've got a round going on right now. We've already mentioned in the Sudamericana as well that Defensa Justicia and are about to lose to Liga de Quito. They're halfway into stoppage time at the moment. Uh, but the other Argentine clubs, I won't read all of the results, uh, have had matches. I was watching the Estudiantes game, as I already mentioned, on Tuesday night, so I did not see in the same group Venice losing 2-1 at home to Nacional de Uruguay as we're now obliged to say, because there are other nacionales as well who are doing reasonably well in continental level these days. Uh, Estudiantes, as we mentioned, beat Bragantino 2-0. Tacheres on that same night got a 1-0 win over Sporting Cristal. Uh, Corinthians beat Boca 2-0 in a match that I said last week, not that I want to, you know, big myself up as a good predictor of games, but I did say it was going to be hard for Boca. Um, the other game in River's group was Fortaleza 2, Alianza Lima 1. River, as we mentioned earlier, beat Colo Colo 2-1 away with goals from Matias Suarez and Ezequiel Barco quite late on. Mm-hmm. Look up Ezequiel Barco's one on YouTube. It was brilliant. And then um, Juan Martin Lucero scored uh, for Colo Colo in stoppage time to set up a slightly hairier than it needed to be ending of the game for River. And ah, Colón have just kicked off against Olympia, mm. um, and that's nil nil after six minutes. It says here, which means Group G standings. must be my favourite groups because like three mm. brilliant non-Brazilian, non-Argentine titans there uh, in Cerro, Peñarol, and Olympia, and then Colón, who are always very fun. 
uh, even and if... And who have Luis no history Rodriguez. whatsoever in the Copa Libertadores. No, oh, but... Not quite none whatsoever, sorry. Their stadium didn't get its nickname, didn't it, due to a, a win over Santos. Yes. Oh, no, was, mm-hmm. was that in the front? Over, over everybody. Every, every big team that won, that were going there... Uh, and yeah, but the, the, yeah. the, the, the win over Santos was that yeah. a friendly or was that in the Libertadores? It must have been a friendly. Yeah, I think it was a friendly. Yeah. Yeah. The 60s, Santos used to tour up. a lot. Yeah. Um, I think so it's yes. the only group without Brazilians as well. It might be standings yeah. wise. Um, I was about to say Independiente bottom of Group A, but that's Independiente del Valle, as we discussed last week, uh, due to this app being stupid. Um, group C, Estudiantes are top of it with seven points from three matches. Bragantino and Nacional both have four points. Um, and Beles have one. So Beles need to buck up their ideas, if you mm. ask me. Group, uh, group D does not have any... Hang on, what's Independiente del there? No, that's Independiente del Valle. So who are the Independiente in Group A? Independiente Petrolero. Petrolero. We did this last week as well, didn't yes. we? We're going to do this every week. Uh, until I remember that there is another Petrolero club in Bolivia now, apparently, which somebody introduced to the football world a few weeks ago without telling me. Uh, group E. Now, I hope you're sitting down here. Right. And, you know, if you're a Boca fan, then I hope you're sitting down uh, and, and are feeling all right. And if you're not a Boca fan, just hold your sides before I say this. Corinthians top group E after... Three matches with six points. Deportivo Cali and Always Ready have three points each, but have only played twice so far. They kick off uh, tonight at 11. They're playing reason. tonight in La Paz. Um, Why are Bolivian kickoffs always so late? What's the. Uh, yeah, I sometimes wonder that. whether they're two hours behind Argentina for some reason rather than one. Maybe that would make it make sense. No, but, but then Colombia and, and Ecuador are uh, two hours behind and yeah. they don't kick off at 11. Yeah, it is bizarre. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Deportivo Cali and Always Ready have three points each and play in La Paz in about two hours' time. And Boca Juniors, halfway through a Copa Libertadores group stage, are bottom of the Copa Libertadores group stage. They do have three points. So depending on the result, or the scoreline, I should say, of of Cali versus Always Ready, uh, Boca might not still be bottom by the time this episode goes online. But as a non-Boca fan... It's pretty it's fine. Good to oh, I'm tempted to take a screenshot. <laughs> it's not going to end like this. But, but the Boca supporter expects a, a draw, perhaps, there. I think. Because yeah, yes. Yeah, the thing that's is, what you've got to hope for, isn't it? it's a double edged sword now because you, you, th- you think they will, be, they will have a bit of, a, of an advantage because they still have to play two games at home, but they're not winning at home. No, but they're not, they don't have to play two games at home. They've got they to play always ready in La Paz. But then, but then they got two games. They're, they're at yeah. home to Corinthians yeah. on the last match. They're, they're two, re- sorry, three remaining matches. I'm oh, sorry, two, Rassi, you're right. They've got two games. Two of them are at home, but the yes. thing is, they're not winning at home. No. They're, yeah. They, they're not winning at the moment. They, they were well beaten by Cali, or at least from what I saw, because as I mentioned, I saw that in a bar in in El Chapten, so I didn't really pay full attention to it. But it looked to me like they were well outplayed by Cali. They've got to go to La Paz, which is. The, the so, last city on the continent you want to go to, regardless to of the result, city opposition, yeah. when you need a result. And then and, and they've got to play... Yeah, their, their remaining home game is against clearly the strongest team in the group. Yeah. And what probably, the way they've started, probably one of the favourites for the Copa. Yeah. You know the last time that Boca went out of uh, Libertadores in the group stage? So we're in the Libertadores and went out in yes. the group stage. I'm going to guess... Off, j- I'm going to guess that it wasn't this century. I know that they've not been in the Libertadores. It wasn't this millennium, though. Right, go on. 1994. 
Wow. Yeah. I, I would would probably have guessed that it was a bit later in the last century than that, but. Yep. Oh. When? I had hair. Belisario okay. won it, didn't they? Under Carlos Bianchi. Oh yes. Correct. Who went on to win it with Boca? So I had hair back, the, back then. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long one time ago, yeah. I hear you say this occasionally, <laughs> Seb, and I'm not sure I really believe it. Uh, in Group F, River are top with three wins from three matches. I think Andres would join me in saying, who knows how, but they have won three times somehow. Um, Colo Colo have six points, Fortaleza have three points, and Alianza Lima have no points. So that's nice and even, just three point gaps yes. going down everybody's played three games uh, everybody's played three games in all of these groups apart from Boca's game because uh, that Deportivo always ready match is the only one still to be played this week uh, in group G Cerro Porteño top at the moment as it currently stands with that game even uh, Colón have four points and Peñarol three and Olimpia have two points but obviously you know tune in after the theme music and I'll tell you what uh, Colón versus Olimpia ends up being or is it Olymp- it's Olympia versus Colón? I should have said. Uh, and in Group H, Tashera is a second. Mm. Oh, not bad. Turn up for the works. It's particularly not bad when you look at how crap they're doing in the Copa de la Liga. Uh, Flamengo top with nine points. Tashera six. Universidad Católica de Chile, because that's another one where there's this other one that's appeared recently, and we have to start paying attention to them apparently because they're good. Have three points and Sporting Cristal have no points um, so Tacheris are looking good so far who have Tacheris got to play well they've got to play everybody still but where are they uh, they're at home to Flamengo next week uh, then they've got Sporting Cristal away and Universidad Católica away so that's a potential alarm bell for Tacheris that, that they've played uh, most of their home games so far we'll have to wait and see but I would say based on that I'm going to stick my neck out and say I think River will qualify. I think that Estudiantes will qualify. You can see that I'm really... You've really gone out and I'm suppressed <laughs> with, these quali- uh, with these predictions. I think that... Um, I will take a bit of a risk here and I'll say I think that Tacheres will qualify because they're clearly putting a lot of effort into the Libertadores and not at all into the Copa de la Liga. And I think that Boca might end up in the Copa Sudamericana, guys. Oh, I hope not. And I think I can see him playing in, in the final against the Racing. <laughs> it's going to be horrendous to watch. I've, I've got a feeling that Boca might end up in the Copa Sudamericana, and that not only that, but I think that they might also end up feeling quite lucky to be in the Copa Sudamericana. Mm. Uh, having said that, as Andres pointed out last, I think it was Andres pointed it out last week. It might have been Santi. Um, they did get a win in La Paz last year in their very first yes. group match against yes. the strongest, and it was a classic example in my opinion of how you should play when you have to go to La Paz so who knows shall we answer some listeners questions yeah well, yes. have we had any listeners right. questions well, we had a couple I think a lot of them were racing related but for a change that's what the people want <laughs> uh, we had one a f- few days ago was it a few days ago it was two days ago in fact from Derek Ryan who I don't think we've had a question from before. So welcome to the podcast, Derek. Thank you for asking. Says, looking for an update on several US, USMNT, which is, we all know, because we all talk to Americans all the time online, uh, means US men's national team, and youth internationals. Thoughts on the Sonora brothers and Noah Mavromatis at Platense. Uh, that is the first time I have heard of the latter. 
So I'm going to turn the floor over to the other three guys. Well, I believe Elise in the Benin de Senora. I can never remember which it is. Um, scored a really nice free kick last night. No, that was Domingo Blanco. I'm gonna, I'm he did something good as well. Because I think Joel's the one at Tacheres. Yes. Uh, no, Domingo Blanco scored the free kick against Deportivo La Huayra. But Sonora did something good as well. I can't remember what. He's generally, when I see him, one of the best of a pretty bad bad shirt in the Benin thing. Uh, very High skillful praise player. indeed. Yes. And Alan... I saw his name come up as well. No, Joel. That's one. I was about to say. <laughs> um, he's somewhere. He's at Tacheres. He's at Tacheres. Um, right, he is, I'm sure. Uh, rings a bell, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm better positioned to talk about their father because I saw him play. Ah, there we go. Is he, um, Diego, Diego Sonora. Is he eligible to play for the um, US MNT? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he could make a comeback? I don't think so. He played for Argentina, uh, didn't he, at least once. Oh, Diego Sonora. Then he won't be Of course, eligible. he was. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, Seb, we've mentioned this before. We've mentioned in the past why the Sonora brothers you know, are American and are playing in Argentina. But I don't think we've had anybody who's actually claimed to have seen Sonora Senior play. So yeah, he was a right back. Go with it. He was very, very good. Um, he was good defensively. He was good going forward. He was complete type of player. A very typical Boca player. The fans really appreciate him. I remember him scoring a goal against Racing. It was a one nil win for Boca. Of course, being a Right back, he didn't score many goals, but that one he scored with a with a shot to towards the first post, I mean the the, the near post, and Sergio Goicochea was the keeper for Racing. Uh, this was a game played at the Vélez Stadium. It was very important. I don't I don't remember why it was very important, but it was very important, and it was kind of a highlight for him. And then of course he went he went on to play in the U.S. Um, and because I didn't prepare for this, I don't remember exactly which uh, franchise he played for. Um, maybe we can find it. I find can it tell you at least that Joel, Joel plays for Vélez now. Vélez, I was going to say. I'm sure yes. one of them was playing for Tacheres a while back. And he was at Tacheres, yes. Um, and he looked alright for Tacheres, but right now I think Alan's the, the better prospect. Mm. And I think there's too much um, dispute over that. Yeah, he, God, he, Joel's 25 already. Yeah, I feel like people have been talking about him as a kid who's up and coming for. Yeah, uh, some yeah for ages, which actually makes sense that he's 25. <laughs> like Patito Rodriguez, who was gonna be the next best thing, even when he was 34. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> coming through after. Yeah. Or any so, uh, below average height black midfielder in the English league, like yeah. Sonora, Sonora Sean Senior. Phillips is still being described as an up and coming oh. youngster when he was 32. <laughs> Don't mention Sean Wright Phillips. Worst Sorry. ever player, worst ever signing that <laughs> uh, I forgot ever made. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Boca, um, Diego, Diego Sonora, uh, Sonora Senior, played for Boca 202 games, scored three goals, of which I remember one. So I'm 30, 33%, I, I got it. Then he went on to play for Dallas Burn, the New York, New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. DC United, he went to Chile to play for Deportes Concepcion and then went back to the US to play for Tampa Bay Mutiny, but only for four games. Such a great name for a club, Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay Mutiny, Mutiny, where Carlos Valderrama used to play. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course. And then uh, play for Cerro Porteño and Defensores Belgrano, but uh, he was in the latest stages of his career. In 2002-03, he retired around that, that time. Inspired by this, 
yeah. of today's generation of Argentine footballers, who would we like to who, who to have had kids? <laughs> Good. Let me let me yeah. rephrase it. Yeah. If we could pick one of today's generation of Argentine footballers and say that guy's kids are going to play for a foreign national team, I'm going to go straight up because it's my question. I'm sticking my hand up first, and I'm going to say. <laughs> Andres D'Alessandro, who first of all, I forgot to mention last week, and I did have a mental note to do so, and I forgot, retired a week and a half ago. Oh, he did. Played his last match for Internacional at the age of 41. It was expected to be a bit of a procession, and they were going to sub him shortly before half-time and stuff. He turned into quite a hard game, and he ended up having to play a lot, and he scored the equaliser, and I think they came from behind to win 2-1. <laughs> um, his daughter was born during his six-month spell with Portsmouth, in the Premier League and as a result I would really love it if she grew up and played for the <laughs> English women's national team one day I think that would be, that'd be great. I don't hilarious. think it's going to happen Sam. no <laughs> I don't think it's nor do I I'm not saying what do we think yeah. is going to happen I'm saying of, of ones that could realistically like that are actually possible yeah. although as I've mentioned I interviewed him last year and he was mm. he enjoyed his uh, his spell in England he really I'm sure did. did. He yeah. saved them from relegation. Do they do that? Yeah, they have fun at Portsmouth. He mm. told me. Be- because, for example, Italy does that uh, players that uh, are not Italian born in Italy, mm-hmm. but to get them to play for their national teams. Do they do England do that? No. In spite of the fact that it's quite a racist country and you'll find a lot of people there who are like, no, you're not really British, where are you really from? Uh, the English national team has a history of being quite small c Catholic about who it considers English, yes. Mm. Like, if you've ever had a pint of Guinness and grew up in Ireland, then you're more than welcome to play for England. Mm-hmm. Um, among <laughs> many, many, many other examples. So, yeah, certainly somebody was actually born there, and I presume, because D'Alessandro seems like quite an intelligent guy, has a British passport. Uh, I mean, I don't see why it'd have... Admittedly, it would have been more valuable for most of her life than it probably is now, now that we're not in the EU anymore. But, yeah, I presume that she's got dual nationality and therefore <laughs> can play in England. If you're listening, uh, D'Alessandro's yes. daughter, please write in. <laughs> confirm if you have a UK And, and if you're listening, Andres D'Alessandro, please make sure that your daughter yeah. becomes a really good footballer and plays for England one yeah. I think it'd be very fun if um, either Gonzalo or Fede Wayne's sons end up playing for the US national team. And just to see um, just to see the US fans having to go for all of their misses <laughs> <laughs> and be cursing them for uh, costing them really valuable and international games. They both have kids since moving to the I have States. no idea. Oh. <laughs> Fede, this is hypothetical. Um, Fede, I imagine, he's been there for yeah, like 10 true. years. He's been there for ages. Gonzalo would have a potentially a, a wide variety of countries to choose from. Yeah. It's a very difficult yeah. question you asked there. It has so many variants, possible variants. What I'm seeing closer to, the, to happening and closer in time to happening, is what I call the Corralito generation. And I will explain this. Corralito, it's this a This is something that came up um, with the most recent... Um, Financial crisis. No, yeah. no, the most recent call-ups to the Argentina squad. We've got like Garnacho... Including... Exactly, that's, yeah. that's the Corralito uh, generation. Garnacho made his Manchester United debut today. Did he? Yeah. he One minute. Two minutes. Two minutes. Was two he minutes. I don't think he touched the ball. Ah. <laughs> uh, but he was applauded No worse on. than any other United player. He, no, exactly. You know, if anything, he did better. But he was applauded on because, uh, yeah, he's already a bit of a legend at Old Trafford. He's yeah. been very, very yeah. good for the years, too. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, I, I call it the Corralito generation because Corralito was <coughs> the, the term that was used when, back in 2001, the whole financial system in Argentina collapsed, mm. the banks closed. Uh, and then you only you could only withdraw 
250 pesos a week, which was barely enough to, to buy food. So it was very, very bad. I was, I remember because I was quite, um, I, I wasn't even a teenager anymore. I was 23, 24 back then. I remember exactly what happened. And he called it the corralito because we were like corralled. Uh, mm. Everybody was uh, trapped. Mm. Couldn't, even if you had money there, and if you needed to pay for a surgery, and maybe you had a million pesos there, and you had enough, you couldn't withdraw it. You could die. There were cases of that happening. Well, that's and funny to think that same two hundred and fifty pesos today would be fifty thousand pesos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, but not. It wasn't the case. But it then was one it peso, one dollar. Yeah, it wasn't that. Yeah. It wasn't that much money. <laughs> and there were like three or four different currencies being accepted at the same time. It was so difficult to live uh, through those days. And as a result, a lot of Argentines had to uh, look for better lives and they went to Italy, Spain, different places. And now their sons, because they were born around 2003, 2002, 4, those years, they are entitled to play for Argentina. It happens, it, we're seeing it right yeah. now. I mean, seeing. Dan, you were saying last week, right? I can't, I, I can't, I don't think we were recording when you told me. <coughs> I think it was after the other two had left. Mm -hmm. But you were saying you'd, been in, you'd interviewed Garnacho. And mm -hmm. he spoke, oh no, oh, this is somebody else I'm thinking of. There's someone else I'm in touch with. Mm -hmm. well, so somebody, somebody talked to Garnacho and, and he speaks with just, I mean. There are interviews with Garnacho. Unsurprisingly, yeah. he sounds like he's from Madrid. Thickest Madrid. Logical, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he speaks full on Castilian yeah. Spanish yeah. and, you know, has like been to Argentina a couple of times but was like, yeah, it was great yeah. to get called up. But, I mean, there's the whole hacking up a whole throat's worth of phlegm every time there's a J somewhere in a sentence. <laughs> And all the rest of it. Yeah. You're, I mean, this is normal, not for Argentina, because it didn't happen a lot uh, or many, many times, but it's normal when you see other national teams like Switzerland. They have a lot of Albanian yeah. uh, uh, players or players from Albanian families that were uh, refugees or, or went on to live to uh, in Switzerland. And now they play for the Swiss national team. You, you see it a lot but not so much in Argentina. So it, now it's in, interesting to see there's a, the Carboni brothers playing for Inter in the youth teams, being in the radar for, for Scaloni also, Pablo Paz's son, uh, who's uh, in Madrid, also being called up. Not only Garnacho, who doesn't have a footballing uh, father or, yeah. or former footballer, but his mother was from Argentina living in Spain. I don't know if she left because of the Corralito, but it's around that time, so you know, I I think it stands. The moniker could stand, the generation, Corralito generation. We could probably see more of that in the future. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, so Derek, I'm not sure that was at all the answer you were looking for, but it's the answer you've got. <laughs> it was an answer. Yeah. Let's leave it there. Uh, Leo Russomano says, What is Gago's coaching philosophy and why is it working? I feel like we talked about this quite a bit last week, but... I think we had a very similar um, similar question, right? Um, but uh, kind of sum it up, Gago likes to have the ball. Uh, he likes to dominate possession. He presses very strongly. He moves very quickly when the team does have the ball. Um, likes to uh, change the direction as well as with these like, very quick crossfield balls. Um, looks to get a lot of players in and around the box so he has options either with the low cross with the high cross with the little ball right through the the middle of the fence basically um 
creating as many options as possible uh, to create chances mm. without compromising kind of the overall shape of the team, which means the whole team has to has to work very hard. Um, yeah, and, and which also, probably came back to bite him in the arse last night when mm. they played at altitude in Arequipa, and he had two players on the pitch at least who just couldn't be asked to run, which <laughs> did all sorts, of, which caused all sorts of problems with the overall press and led yeah. to a. And also, he, he doesn't seem to change during games in terms of the philosophy. He, the team always plays the same, mm. even yeah, if they're winning. That's it. He can change the direction. Much. He can change the focus, but the overall, the overarching yeah. system remains in place. Yeah, he's not like uh, as soon as Racing scores, he withdraws mm. or sit back. He's always playing the yes. same way, even if they're losing or winning. And I would say it's, it's working because, I mean, it's a bit of what we talked about with Cielinski at Estudiantes earlier is the right manager in the right club at the right time, right? He came in and had a yeah. squad that he could already work You, you have to say that the way Racing was before Gabo Barraid was just, I won't, I won't say, uh, uh, was answer, but yeah, he was quite poor. So every, everyone or everything which came would arrive to Racing will make things work or at least to be better because worse than that perhaps it's... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's the, probably the kindest thing you can say about Gago. He's um, getting really good football out of a team which is basically unche unchanged from the team which played really terrible football on the PC and absolutely no football under all with it. Um, mm. You can't, you can't uh, compliment a coach higher than that. So the, yes, it's... Before I go on to Leo's other two questions, I'm just going to say that uh, Jose San is playing tonight because uh, Lanús are about to kick off away to Montevideo Wanderers in a match where I feel very kind of sorry for the players here because for some reason they're playing it in the Estadio Centenario. On the one hand, <laughs> very happy for Lanús. If I were a professional footballer, this would be the stadium I want to play in more than any other in the world. I've been and watched a game there. It's magnificent. But... There are about a thousand fans there, and I'm being very, very generous. There are more behind that goal over there, so it's more than we can just see on the TV. At the there moment. must be but more Lemos fans than Wanderers. I mean, God, sure, just why don't they just play this at Wanderers Stadium? It's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, Leo also asks, what is the most dangerous offensive duo in the Libertadores? Bruno Enrique and. It's a good call, yeah. And he says, and this one I quite like because there's an ambiguity in this question here. <laughs> he says, number three, defensive? Question mark. So I'm going to take that to mean what is the most dangerous defensive duo in the Libertadores? And I'm going to just point out that you don't necessarily want your defensive duo to be dangerous. Like, no. for which team? Exactly. The team they're playing for? Dangerous to others or to themselves? If, if yeah. it's for the team they're playing for, then it's whoever Boca Juniors have got his centre-back. Um, I'd vote for Marcus Rojo and the fire extinguisher. That is definitely the most dangerous <laughs> True. duo. Arguably offensive, though, given that he used it to damage people. Also, Possibly. Possibly. not this year. But minus one, I think it's one. I think it was 8-1. Oh, 8-1, so well, yeah. sorry. But yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, let me just look that up. I think you will touch it, Deportivo Tachira, if I am not wrong. Yesterday, I mean, like, feeling you're right, yeah. No, but no, the, the team that they, they, they score eight goals uh, to. Ah! Uh, which uh, I think it was. Uh, I think my son compromising Jill's got to be yes. Gomez and Kusiewicz in Palmeiras. Just a relentless. Palmeiras be Independiente Petrolero, 8 1. Yeah. Yes. 
They um, came from behind. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they were That's trading. Cool yeah, yeah we, we talked about. Yeah, we mentioned that last week. Yeah. Um, Christopher Martin says, "What was with all that traffic after racing on Sunday?" To which my response initially is going to be, "Have you never been to a racing game before?" Chris? <laughs> he has actually. He went uh, oh, yeah, a couple so of weeks ago. That's what I'm asking. I mean, yeah. No, but it was heavy on on Sunday. Even heavy, by the normal heavy. standards. Of Even by normal standards, yeah. Yeah, it took us about an hour to get out of the uh-huh. uh, Really, really dense traffic. That sounds about yeah. right to me. Sometimes you can do it um, a little bit quicker. We have talked on the podcast before about how I feel like having been to obviously Independiente and Racing home matches. Um, obviously, Racing Stadium is is a bit bigger. But you can go to Independiente games and the stadium will be full and it's relatively easy to get a bus back into the city of Buenos Aires afterwards. Because this was games. the 70s and cars weren't invented yet. <laughs> and you go to Racing games and the stadium will be half full and it's an absolute fucking nightmare. And the conclusion that we've come to, I think, before when we mentioned this as well, is that as a proportion of match-going fans, Independiente, for whatever reason, have a higher proportion who live in Avellaneda and just walk home afterwards whereas Racing have a higher proportion coming from Buenos Aires who are then getting back into Buenos Aires afterwards and as a result the streets are just fucking gridlocked it's actually yes. one it, it's a reason the main reason that I don't go to games now is that the pandemic's happened and I got out of the habit and I don't really fancy being around big crowds of people anymore <laughs> but it, it's a reason that I stopped going to Racing home games was just the if I was looking at the fixtures back in the days when I was going to try and get, to get to a, a match each weekend I'd look at the fixtures and if Racing were at home I'd be like oh that looks quite entertaining but it's a <laughs> 9 o'clock kickoff, and do I really want to be waiting for the bus at half past midnight mm. still after getting out of the stadium an hour and a half but, mm, no not really Tell you what, I did explain this theory to Chris actually as we were waiting in traffic mm. I I was faithful to the hammer no. pod. I tell you what, you have my you have my email now. Whenever you want to go, I can take you. I, we can go by car. I can take you as well. Yeah. Of course, no, no. Oh yeah, you don't can worry. Right. Yes. Worry. <laughs> and finally, Ronnie Mazunda says, "Why why can't Argentina find any better opponents to play friendlies against in Concacaf than El Salvador?" Mm-hmm. I know Canada wants to play. I'm pretty sure the United States do as well. Why why do the AFA always look for Guatemala, Nicaragua, or El Salvador? I will say that in 2010 they played against Canada. Because I went to that game, uh, it was about a month and a half after I moved here. But admittedly, Argentina do not tend to go for countries who have qualified for the World Cup as their. I'm assuming this is what he's talking about because I've not seen the fixture announced. Mm. Um, as their farewell Argentina before we go to the World Cup, mm. they're friendly. Uh, they go for a country that they can score as many goals as they possibly can against and get absolutely zero practice or experience about what it's going to be like playing the World Cup group stage. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. They they had a game against Mexico uh, on paper. They were preparing it. It was almost, I think it was confirmed, but uh, when they qualified, when they, qualified the round, group, yeah. they, went, they, they were drawn in the same group, so they said, no, we're not well, playing Mexico. It wasn't Mexico women. If it was the women's national team, they'd have been like, yes, let's play Mexico, even though we got to play Mexico about two weeks after that, and then it'll be Mexico in the knockout stage as well. They do love organising friendlies against Mexico. Yeah, they really it's, do. It's just some an which, app obsession. Some of which, as Tony pointed out a couple of weeks ago when we had him on and asked him about this, 45-minute uh, matches with 22-and-a-half-minute halves and whatnot. Um, but yeah basically Ronnie it is that Argentina's pre-World Cup friendly is always a team that Argentina are absolutely guaranteed to score about 27 goals (laughs) we will have the Italy game in June which should be fun yeah 
And there's been a date, according to the headlines I saw, set, I don't know whether a venue as well, for the Brazil qualifier. Yeah. In, so it um, has to be played the MCG, in, right? in Rio. It will be played I thought it was going to be the MCG. No, but that there's really two. There's funny. two. There's one for the qualifiers. I'm playing a friendly as well. And, yeah. and FIFA has determined that game has to be played in Brazil. Oh, it's okay. up to Brazil to choose right. where, right. and I think it's going to be the Maracanã. But then there's possibly the, the other one, mm. which is still disputed whether it's going to be in Australia or not, because the uh, organizers want it in Australia, if, but the AFA well, not. If so I much. were one of the organizers here. No offence, Australian Dan, but we know that you're one of about 40 people in Australia who actually pay attention to football outside Australia, right? I'd be trying to be smart here and being like, this is a World Cup qualifier, and it's for some reason being played in the MCG. Um, and we'll be trying to sell tickets on that basis and just hide the fact that it's a friendly. Just be like, this is, this is, this is the qualifier, the one they're playing in Brazil a month earlier, that's the friendly. Yeah. Uh, so do we know when the date is though for, for the qualifier? Uh, here it says June and apparently he's already selling tickets for it. For the qualifier? I don't know, for the friendly. one in Melbourne. Where, where yeah, that's, the, that's the friendly done. The night for June. Excellent. Yes. So where's Argentina Italy being? That's in Wembley. The 1st of June. 1st of June. The 1st of June. Wembley, yeah. And they're playing on the 9th of June on the other side of the world. Apparently so. Love it. Brilliant. <laughs> Why not? Okay. That's why the AFA is not so keen to do it there. So Indeed, it we'll is. Wait yeah. um, I'm going to press the stop recording button now, and in a couple of seconds' time, you'll hear me come back for Mystic Sam. Okay, this weekend's fixtures. I think San Lorenzo are going to beat Newell's. Oh, uh, brave. So, uh, <laughs> considering how badly San Lorenzo are doing, I think you might be on, sir. For I the benefit see. of those who have lost uh, their attention span and can't remember back to about five hours ago when we first started recording this, That's San Lorenzo it. beat Newell's 2 1 last night. Uh, the other matches begin on Friday with Estudiantes versus Aldo Civi. I think Estudiantes are going to win that because. It's a football match, and they're playing it. Patronato versus Gimnasia. There is a reason that neither of us have spoken about, none of us have spoken about either Patronato or Gimnasia. But I think, oh, you? I think Gimnasia will win because they're average, and Patronato are below average. Atletico Tucumán versus Tacheres. I think is going to be a draw. Racing versus Banfield. I'm going to go for a Racing win. Belles versus Tigre, I think will be a Tigre win. Boca versus Barracas Central will be a Boca win, but only by a couple of goals, so they'll still have plenty to moan about. Uh, Arsenal versus Colón should be a Colón win. Sarmiento versus River, I think will be a draw. Several pointed out earlier that Sarmiento have a very strong home record, and River are kind of distracted, you know. But not quite over the line in the Libertadores groups yet, so I don't think they'll be fully there. Lanús versus Independiente will be a... Um, Lanús are playing right now. They've got to play again in two days' time. I'll go for a, an Independiente win. Union versus Defensa y Justicia is a draw. Godoy Cruz versus Central Córdoba de Santiago de Estero is a Godoy Cruz win. Don't predict one of those very often. Platense versus Argentinos, the Clásico, is... Argentinos win and Huracan versus Rosario Central is a win for 
for a cam. Uh, which matches are we looking forward to this week, Amitants? Uh, I'll probably forget that one. If Studio Amitants vs. Outdoor CB is the easy answer. Yeah. And <laughs> it's on Friday evening. It's not, it's not an answer to a question I ever imagined uh, asking or being asked, but it's an answer. No, but you know, we've spoken about them as two of the. Well, it's the answers are the four. Because of the names of the teams will be La Luz Independiente, but they are not. No, they play for nothing, maybe. But Sarmiento River is interesting. Sarmiento River is interesting as well, yeah. Platense Argentinos, because it's a rivalry. Poco Barracas with Barracas. Yeah. Push it forward. Yeah. On another day, I would have said Racing Banfield, but I think both are going to play with the reserve team because Banfield mm-hmm. are already out and looking looking to stay in contention. Ooh, that's already gone. In yeah, the mathematically, they're not, but I think you're right. They're probably. Yeah. yeah. The combination of results is not, not going to help them. But yeah, it's going to be reserves. Racing have nothing to play mm-hmm. for, so it takes down a little mm. interest in that, in that game. Very true. Well, thank you very much indeed for recording with us, gents. Seba, welcome back. Thank you so much. Good to have you so back on board and on the email list. And, you know, hopefully you can be involved more often from <laughs> Until now. Until next week where you fall off again. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be checking it every time now, even though, even though I've, I've definitely deleted your old email address altogether from my contacts, just to make totally sure. Um, but anyway, thank you very much indeed uh, for listening. And goodbye for now from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From Seba. Adios. Gracias. From English Town. Goodbye. And from me. Thank you and goodbye.